Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Week 11, Dave, you finished the coffee? Yeah, I finished the coffee just about. Just about. Didn't want to make any noise. <laughs> rushing me to finish me fucking coffee. Working all day and I can't even drink me coffee before the podcast. Working, working hard. How is work going? Uh, long, long few weeks, you know yourself now at this, at this stage of the year. It's not so much that there's new projects coming up, but you're looking to close off projects and people are very, very anxious coming out of COVID with the vaccines that we rolled out that next year needs to be a big year for a lot of companies and um, people are coming now looking for plans to be in place so that they can get up and running probably from February onwards it is, it is that kind of time of the year that like you know you had loads of plans set out and projects set out and shit it's Christmas you know get it going now oh it's this quick. time again like oh it's this time again like do you know what I mean we said we do the, you look back in the year and go right well I got 20% of what I planned to get done done like do you know what I mean yeah. and especially now like it's been crazy like most people spent the year firefighting yeah. so any of the stuff that they were looking to do in terms of growth just went out the window very very quickly now there's been a lot of big winners as well the delivery companies um, the likes of Uber um, Just Eat so on and so forth the retailers in terms of the big retailers doing very very well obviously Amazon doing very very well like you mean for a, for a lot of these businesses it was the perfect storm like if you take Amazon the absolute perfect market conditions is when all your competitors are closed and the only route that consumers can order stuff is via online and you're the biggest player in the marketplace like so marketplaces expanded and and contracted as opposed to businesses but obviously all rising tide raises all boats right so a lot of businesses do really really well how much fun you had depending on what industry you're in (laughs) oh no absolutely like again if you take if you take a delivery company um i would say like an uber eats or a just eat or something like that you were in a situation whereby people could not eat out Mm -hmm. so therefore if you were to order a consumer had only a choice but to order online and you were taking your 20-30% commission off of that when you, so again the market expanded as opposed to any kind of you know creative marketing or any kind of strategic pivot or anything like just, that just keep it going exactly yeah. so it was it was it, it's all about um, again the environment that people were operating in and again it killed off a lot of businesses and other businesses thrived on that and what's going to be very very interesting is what these businesses do in terms of their share price in terms of their investment, where they go next, because there's no way that Just Eat has as good a year next year as it did this year. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how those companies kind of pivot strategically to try and retain that market share that they have at the moment. So following on from last week, I suppose, uh, look, we had our first guest on last week, week 10. Uh, it was kind of always a plan to have a guest on um, on week 10. You know, we have a kind of a list of people that we want to approach and some of them have kindly said yes already. So they'll be coming up down the line but uh, it was a really really good chat I think we were very it. respectful I thought we didn't curse once didn't swear once no we had, the, we had the broadcast we were right? very 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 yeah we didn't go <laughs> to, we didn't go to BBC rules the BBC rules that you're allowed four fucks in the hour and oh, we, yeah. did, we didn't even waste one of them so we were very well behaved so yeah, back, so don't, back so to don't, normal uh, this week don't make up for this week <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah exactly no but it was very good I think it was good to get Jonathan's uh, perspective on a lot of that kind of thing that people wouldn't normally hear I suppose you know on that side of things well they- that's what you need to do I mean you take I mean for me being being in business is not just about the operational stuff it's about the operational side of things the strategic side of things and the societal side of things and you need to have some understanding of, of how that trifecta yeah. kind of works together you need to understand society because you need to understand the impact of your decisions we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute in terms of just eat but in terms of the the impact of your decisions and um, and the, the particularly in marketing, the decisions that we make as marketers do have a real impact on the world, particularly mm. for corporate um corporate brands and consumer brands. Um, on the operational side, obviously you need to know how technology is changing operations, processes. You need to understand new technologies, how they work, how they could benefit your business in terms of marketing, supply chain, sales, whatever the case may be. And then obviously you need a strategy in terms of how do you marry those two things kind of together. So no, I think Jonathan gave a really really good insight in terms of his mindset when you go into a business what's the story how do I identify the story how do I tease out the story and how do I distribute the story but then beyond that then looking at 
the role of journalism in the world, for example, business models associated with these news organisations and how the, ro- the role of PR fits into I think, that. I think it's very important you have to kind of understand how these guys work and how their minds think. Like as Jonathan kind of talked about last week, that there's no point in coming with a story that you think is good or that you think is going to break the news. You know, you really have to kind of delve into right, we might be able to tell that as part of a bigger story. You know, so understanding how guys like him work, you know, whether it's from the PR side of things or from the journalism side of things, it'll make your life a lot easier. So so it's very good to have someone like Jonathan that kind of comes from both angles. You know, he's able to take the PR skills that he has because he's been so long in journalism and broadcasting. So he knows what he's looking for. He knows what a story is, as you said. So it's very, very good to... And But as he said last week, you know, it's, a, it's not a kind of a thing that you go when it's too late when you need to firefight as you already said like you know when it's crisis management PR is a good start for any business that wants to craft their story going out you know publicly yeah no 100% I think that's uh, that's something that I suppose I would feel quite strongly about in that I think look marketing is a blend of maths and science or um, of um, of art and science right you've got the analytics I don't to fucking science later <laughs> but the um but it's all about, so on one side, you've got the analytics, the measuring the return on investment, your regression analysis, yeah. understanding sales, understand how to read a book of accounts and your contribution of marketing towards all that. And then that filters into stock prices and all the rest of it. But then on the other side, then you've got the art bit, which is the story or yeah. that brand building bit. And what we probably don't do a huge amount is that it's easy to talk numbers, right? Whereas disarticulating stories in terms of like we did a couple of weeks ago with the with the Christmas ads mm. disarticulating and breaking down stories and how they're told and understanding how certain things are communicated the symbols that are embedded in certain stories um, who you're talking to how these stories are um, um, disembodied and re-embodied depending on who's actually listening to the story and how they kind of reconstruct stories in their mind based on their own socio-cultural context all these kind of things are really really important particularly when you're um particularly when you're trying to build an international brand i think more so than anything else like if you have i think it was wasn't it uh wasn't it seth gordon the the, the probably the actual marketing guru of the world yeah, <laughs> yeah, wasn't, yeah, it him yeah. That, wasn't it him that said that basically brands are no longer products on the shelf basically like you know that there is a kind of a backstory to these things it's not just the logo that you see anymore i think it was him that said that yeah well i mean you but, t- if you take I even mean, we always talk about that the consumer is illogical if the consumer was was logical, we would be out of a job. Yeah. The consumer <laughs> makes illogical decisions. Like we always give the, like in class, one of the first things that we talk about when um, when we're talking about consumer behavior is the cinema, the cinema example. The popcorn. The popcorn it? example. Yeah. You go into any cinema, cinema in the world and you're going to have, you say, a small popcorn for three euros. You're going to have a medium popcorn for 6.50 and a large popcorn for seven euros. People rarely want the large popcorn, but when they see the medium there, they go, "Oh no, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the large popcorn because that's such good value. Why would I get the small?" Whereas when you take the medium away, then the majority of people go for the it's small. A big jump, like, exactly. Yeah. So, like, I mean, the and it's in in marketing terms, it's something that we refer to as decoy branding or decoy marketing, where and you use it for websites where you put up choices, and when the consumer has choice, then you can dictate how we're actually marketing the product to them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, and there's all those kind of... Little, don't forget d- the bag of minstrels to throw into them at the end as well. The ba- oh, of course, yeah, because you can't... <laughs> how can you possibly cop popcorn so, without a bag of minstrels in as well? But So, driving on there, what kind of news have we got for this week? So, I suppose the first one is Brexit is coming thick and fast. There's still, no deal on the table. Coming, it's, it? it's kind of back now as well because COVID's <laughs> kind of taking a back seat. So, Brexit is coming in the outside lane and taking over again. Given up it's been it. an awful year, Brexit and fucking COVID. Jesus Christ almighty. And Trump. And Trump. Ah, that was good. That was that was that, that was kind of uh, that was a fair, that was a fairy tale come true in the end, even though he still hasn't conceded this stupid prick. But anyway, so the um, sorry, stupid president of America, stupid president of America. So the yeah, but um, the in terms of Brexit, so we're starting to now really understand the impact that Brexit may have in certain situations. So. Just this week, I believe that Amazon, and I didn't get the notification, I didn't see it, but I heard that Amazon sent a kind of an email out to all of its Irish customers going, if you order from Amazon.co.uk, you're going to have to pay an import tax on that. That's not something that was, um, that was kind of came into people's mindset before. That's not going to just impact Irish consumers. It's also going to impact British businesses. Do Irish consumers go elsewhere? Do they go to Amazon Germany or whatever the story is? So is there a potential there for, and more so I think, like we give Amazon as the example, 
but the likes of JD Sports, any of these well, kind of the e-commerce co- brands the co- the that you that I work for, um, we, we sell into the UK, uh, Vila Coffee Roasters, we sell machines and coffee across the UK, and I've gotten a few phone calls of people saying, is there an import tax, you know, do we have to pay yeah. customs when they get in, and so far, up until maybe it's starting to look at it now, like, but up until now, no, there hasn't been anything. Yeah, so no, it's it's, and people are confused, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I am not an expert on Brexit, by any stretch of the imagination, Um. But these kind of things are starting to starting to impact business in a way. Um, another story, just as an example of that, Tesco are stockpiling in the UK um, um, long-life products because uh, they feel that there could be a shortage um, if there's any delay, delay on, a day, on, a, on a deal around Brexit. Um, and reports from uh, Stena, who are the um, uh, shipping company, basically said versus this time last year, there's been a 90, 19% increase in the amount of freight Traveling from between Ireland and um, mm. Ireland, the UK, and again, that's people buying up just produce, basically, up, not yeah. just Ireland, the UK, Europe, and the UK as well. So these brands are now starting to stockpile based on there could be shortages, mm. um, based on Brexit and based on what might happen. Um, so yeah, businesses are businesses are kind of struggling a small bit. Same with Honda. Honda said that they're after actually halting production on certain vehicles because they want the parts. It makes it even interesting from a marketing point of view. Like you know, up until now, we would have. You know, you know, talked about maybe brand building or whatever brand awareness or but purely marketing and, and advertising. We would have looked at the UK as a market as well. Like so, now do when it comes to it, do we just kind of slice down the middle and kind of forget that side? Of the well, bit? you can't, right? Because they're they're the closest neighbor, right? The amount of imports that go there, um, or the amount of exports that go there. So, like, I mean, you can't, but I suppose it might make people think a bit more globally. Um, in terms of um, in terms of where you can actually ship to, and again, there's there's costs associated with that. Like if you're just even a small stupid example, like when if you're if you were a clothes manufacturer, you were selling it to Germany. But, but you you now have to translate your site into German. You saw it a couple of years ago with um with the rise in um or the the innovation and then the rise of uh, like Parcel Motel. You know people yeah. found you know they were getting charged left, right, and center and charging euros and pounds and all this kind of stuff so what we do we find the back door in basically yeah, like, yeah. you know and, and we deliver it in through the through the north and then down like you know whatever way it comes in like you know but i thought that was a great innovative thing at the time like there's going something's going to come down the route yeah and i think it's one skill that probably marketers are going to have to become more adept at i suppose over the next couple of years is being more attuned to the supply chain and where different things are coming from what the taxation is going to be what the channels are what the consumer mindset is vis-a-vis the extra charges that they're going to have if they're exporting or importing from certain places so no it's going to be it's going to be interesting but i think that's something that a lot of businesses are going to be taking stock of soon as sitting down and going right how much business do we do in the uk what's the price implications um and even the fluctuations with sterling for example Mm. could be could be a lot greater than they were previously so we just don't know we really really don't know and again i don't profess to be an expert on brexit by any stretch of the imagination but there are going to be there are going to be challenges um and even one area that would be quite important to me, um, given my role as a director of a football club, is that um, there's a FIFA ruling brought out in the week where basically players under the age of 18 now cannot travel to the UK, basically. They have to stay here. So for Irish clubs looking to export our best talents, you should now get higher transfer fees because mm. they're going at a, at, a, at, a, at a later stage in their career development. So When they're, they're, kind of, they're at their hitting their level. Exactly, yeah, when they're there. hitting their peak, exactly. And you'll also have that UK clubs will probably be less likely to take risks on players coming over due to, again, the increased, um, the increased pressure in terms of what they're going to have to pay. So, no, it's going to be... Um, it is going to be quite interesting to see how these businesses, football clubs in this instance, pivot with these new rules mm. that are out there. And... Like, I mean, look, I don't think a lot of people, again, are aware of some of these things yet. Like, I mean, if you take the majority of the um, the majority of people who voted for Brexit, a lot of them would have been working class people. Um, a lot of the football supporters that would attend games would be working class people. I mean, a, bi- a billboard which says you can't import, uh, yeah. some, some, or you can't import, it's a terrible word, you can't sign players until they're a certain... Again, that would have raised alarm bells at people, so it's just, it's just interesting well, to see f- the manifestation of what Brexit is mm. versus what people said it would happen around the campaign. Well, before kind of the whole COVID nightmare kicked in, we were seeing a lot of, say, you know, workshops or day... Um, day they basically workshops from the local councils, local enterprise offices, all this kind of stuff around Brexit proofing your business, getting yeah. ready for Brexit, Brexit information. Obviously then COVID kicked in, the next thing it was all like 
online e-commerce you know that was all the training of the time I think we're probably going to see a lot of that stuff coming back in now over the next couple of weeks and hitting into the 100% year. I'm not looking forward to it because it's fucking boring it I'm bored I'm sick of COVID I'm sick of Brexit <laughs> we need something just interesting just like oh gee yeah we move on right? I'm move sick on. of talking and, about and Brexit exciting there. yeah let's talk about something that we know about rather than trying to talk about something that we definitely don't know about what is what have you got um, so Just Eat interesting one food, so they lovely, we know food, about that we know about food yeah um, so Just Eat announced that they're going that, they have, that they're going to hire a thousand new people in the UK a um, thousand new jobs now what's interesting about it is, isn't necessarily that they're hiring a thousand new people but some of these are going to be the zero contract employees so gig workers who they would have hired before but unlike the likes of Deliveroo which don't give any rights really employment rights to their gig workers they're not seen as employees as such they're seen as workers external yeah. exactly um, these workers are actually going to be guaranteed things like minimum wage now we're not exactly there's a, could be a little bit of wordplay going on there but somewhat guaranteed some sort of minimum standard of wage if they're working for these companies and um, getting things like maternity leave sick leave all these kind of things as well so I think that's something that's going to be become really really prominent over the next number of years is we can see the, the benefits of the gig economy for in the emergence of companies like Just Eat, Deliveroo, so on and so forth. Really, really good for the customer experience, really, really bad for employees. And again, looking at the role of business and society, that is something that needs to correct itself if this is going to be a business model that people are going to use in the long term. And I think that it is something that if they get it right in terms of having a mechanism whereby you can give minimum rights to employees which aren't actually employees mm. that could maybe open up the gig economy as a mechanism for other businesses to start using these types of freelance staff into the future so it's, it's a step in the it's a step in a direction i'm not sure if it's the right direction or the wrong direction but it's an interesting kind of uh, a i find interesting it interesting being from you know my own background in terms of actually management of business but i find it interesting how they'll actually do it and how they yeah. set these rules and standards because like a lot of this stuff like you know whether it's annual leave or pay rises or, you know, uh, pensions, whatever it is, like a lot of this is done on years of service, you know, hours you worked, all this kind of stuff. You're, you're kind of building up days and lose and hours and all this. It's going to be very hard how they're going to determine, right, that person you get, you might have only worked a couple of hours a week. You know, how, how they're going to work it. So then if you're not tracking hours, a sense if you're a zero hour contract, where where does the do you know where does the rules come in then? No, it is, you know, and and even if you get into someone like <laughs> the HR team is kind of fun. Oh, exactly, are like I mean, I mean, algorithmic the algorithmic management process that a lot of these businesses use as core functions of their business model. Uber, um, look at Lyft over in the US again. Uber Eats you've mentioned Just Eat, even though the majority of Just Eat deliveries are actually the, with the company. Just, just Eat yeah. is is yeah the person hires the the driver. More, the, sorry, the not all, not always, but but majority, sometimes yeah. yeah. So like so it, it is going to be interesting how these companies kind of kind of deal with this into the future. And again, it could open up an opportunity as well. But I could, like I'm looking at it, look, I've been involved in a number of businesses, and unfortunately at the hire people at the fire people and again like often if you have a bad hire and you're trying to work someone out of a company what do you do if someone's on zero hour contract but yeah. they have a certain amount of right it is for want of a better word it is a complete clusterfuck in terms of yeah. what 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 the law is going to say about these types of um about I these think, types of contracts i think it's a great kind of model to you know to and we probably talk about maybe in the new year we get someone on that maybe knows a good bit about it but i, I do think it's a great model you know the whole idea of you know, the Uber Eats and the driver and a bit of extra cash at the weekends or whatever, you know, as a job to kind of go down. But, but, if, but if it's a bit of, it's different though. If it's a bit of extra cash, that's different. Whereas if it is your full-time yeah. job, which a lot of them are, then that's different. And you also have the problem over here. I mean, the taxi regulator in Ireland, UK listeners won't know this, don't allow Uber because if you did, it would decimate the taxi industry. Yeah. So... Again, there's a kind of a balancing act there between what are these workers and what how are they made up? Like, is it a full-time job? And if it's a full-time job, that should come with certain minimum level rights. And yeah. they just don't have that at the moment. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And, even, and then, like, I mean, at the moment, we mainly talk about deliveries, but is there other opportunities for that in other industries? So let's take marketing as an example. If you take businesses like Fiverr, yeah. which use freelance marketers and you can go and Designers you can pick someone and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not gig work. Well, it is gig work, but it's a different model, right? Because Fiverr don't hire these people either. But if you had an agency, for example, which outsourced its work to freelancers, but they had a contract of employment and there was a certain level of standard that they conformed with, would that be something that um, 
would that be something that could work in a gig economy type mm. basis? Or if you even take um, if you even take my industry, um, academia, if you were lecturing, is there an opportunity where you could take kind of gigs, if you like? So if you take I don't know University of um, London, for example, no, that's a bad example. If you take um, um, let's say Southbank University in um, in the UK, and let's say they had um, let's say they needed digital marketing we need something to cover search engine optimization um analytics and whatever else um critical marketing or consumer behavior or something like that these are the amount the amount of hours going you can do it remotely you are not an employee as such but again it affords you certain rights if there's again if you weren't attached to a current university because we all do kind of part-time lecturing anyway but it's a different type of part-time lecturing where you could almost structure your whole career around this idea so there's loads of different applications for this idea of gig work but there needs to be a certain level of protection there otherwise it's not going to be a viable career for people long I just, term. I just find it hard when like as you said like the part time the part time lecturing or something which is something I've done like you know I I go into this you know doing part time lecturing for a couple of weeks or for a year or whatever it is you know when you take on a certain contract I don't expect to be given you know holidays or I don't expect to be given yeah but that's because you've got a permanent job I know that I know yeah and obviously you know someone then in my position that maybe not have a, uh, a full time job would take on a couple of these you know side gigs and stuff like that but once again you know do, should you expect then you know that you get a certain amount of extra benefits from each oh no oh, you know, 100, no 100% if you if you have someone who is highly like, skilled like, so let's say they've go got back to the Just Eat thing like you know if you have someone now that's going around delivering for both Uber and Deliveroo mm. Where, you know same as the part time lecture if I'm lecturing in two universities or two colleges or whatever it is do I expect something off those companies well then that see that's where the that's where the that's where the kind of give needs to go right because you couldn't have like you couldn't have employment contracts with both of them right realistically even though a lot of them do at the moment because there is no legal link with them and the company yeah. whereas if you had a situation where you only had and this is interesting as well is that if you had this legislation in place then you have these companies competing for workers as well because they can only work for one, right? Yeah. Whereas at the moment, they can work for whoever they want. So if you have competition for the best employees, then ultimately the rights and what you afford those employees is going to increase. So maybe having something like this, if you let capitalism do its job, then all the way, which it rarely fucking does, <laughs> um, then you have a situation whereby Uber Eats turns around and goes, okay, we're losing our best drivers here what or we're we losing, do? what can we do to get yeah. them over to our side so that they'll stay working with us? And then that increases the benefits afforded to those different employees. So it's a different, and then again, like going back to the university example, if you had, and there's a huge amount of academics who are on um, frivolous contracts, shall we say, whereby you know, they're doing almost full-time hours but not quite enough to get a permanent contract yeah. or they're not, they're not enough to get on them. Um, on a contract of indefinite duration. If you had a scenario whereby they were an employee of, let's call it the digital university, for want of a better phrase, and then your South Banks, your University of uh, London, yeah. your University of Manchester goes to this company and says, we have hours to fill here. Famous Can enough. some of your vetted people who work for you, you've minimum kind of amount of hours, whatever the story is, we then charge you, this company, this middleman. Recruitment agency, like, yeah. For want of a better word, yeah. But I mean, it's 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 just interesting to see how different business models can change and emerge if this issue with the gig work is, is currently sorted out. Because, I mean, the problem is, is that, like, I mean, you do freelance work, I do a bit of freelance work. The, the reason why I would never do it Permanently is that one I fucking love teaching, um, but bothered <laughs> not. Actually, like, love teaching. I love student, teaching. Jesus. I know. I'm no, in a good mood tonight. I'm telling you now, but um, there's that element of it, but also the risk. There's the risk associated with yeah. it. Like if you had, like, can you imagine a scenario whereby I decide to pack it in in my university job and went freelance and you do a year of COVID? It's not. It's not viable. Or you had a year where, but let's say I want to go get a mortgage. No bank is going to give a mortgage to a freelance marketer. They're yeah. just not going to do it. So there's um, there's opportunities, I think, that people can have. And I think people will be more willing to take risks. People will be more willing to start their own businesses, get involved in businesses. There'll be more entrepreneurship. If there was an extra layer of protection there yeah. for these gig workers, shall we say. Um so no, it's going to be, it's interesting. But again, it has it has to work both ways, right? So again, you can't, 
you can't have a load of rights with delivery and also a load of rights with, with just eat as well if you're working for two of them because you're do you know what I mean so yeah. there has to be there has to be a model there whereby this works for both as you said, the business it's kind and of, the it's, it's, it's not that it's a, a new business model you know that's come out really you know it's, it's probably always been there in terms of freelance work but I think, think this whole idea of you know, really the gig economy and the Just Eats and, you know, working across a couple of different companies for either extra or full-time jobs, it's definitely kind of really took off in the last couple of years. So it's 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 like everything is like, you know, regulating social media. You know, it's ch- it changes so much. It's hard to keep up. Governments can't keep up, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see now, the gig work, the gig, I do deal with in the gig economy is something governments are going to have to get a hold of because mm. there are too many workers out there at the moment reliant on work which are not guaranteed. Like, yeah. and that must, like, the research... Like, a lot of people love it, by the way, gig work, because it gives them, again, like you said, flexibility. They work yeah. their own hours, they have their own... They, there are opportunities here, I think, across multiple organ- or industries whereby this can be this can be a benefit, but the government needs to get hold of it. Because, again, you cannot have a situation where there's a, a good percentage of the population working in gig work and they don't have any kind of security on their job. That's not healthy for society. It's not healthy for people. Um, high stress... Um, it's it's just not it's just not a good model for society, but it's working for a business model. So how can you get how can society and the law catch up with what the business models can do? Basically, lovely. Anything else there before we move on to probably the main focus of what we're going to chat about tonight? Um, I suppose just there's two small ones more so than anything else. I mean, one if you like wagon wheels, uh, jammy dodgers, do. or uh, maybe cookies. Leave, I'd leave the I'd leave the jammy dodgers. Leave the jammy dodgers. So you're going to have to stock up before Christmas. So there, and again, I probably shouldn't be like it may, it's a bit of a frivolous kind of a bit of a frivolous kind of example. But their workers is this are going the best strike. You could find I did my homework <laughs> and you did nothing, so we were scrambling for new stories. And all I could come up with was a fucking jammy dodgers. <laughs> I come up with a few for next week. That's it. Why? Well, what's happening with the jammy dodgers? Oh no, there could be a shortage over Christmas because their workers are going on strike effectively. So again, if you're a jammy dodger fan, get them. Or if Santa's a jammy dodger fan, you might want to leave them on the list. Put it on the list, get a few in. Mm. Um, the other one then, which is again just a sign of the times more than anything else, is that IKEA are after whipping their uh, catalogue, their printed catalogue, <gasps> so they're not doing it anymore because oh. people are shocked shopping online. Okay. Well, to be honest, I uh, my experience of IKEA is you have to go to the store and you have to see it. You have to get lost in IKEA for about a good solid seven hours, do you know? <laughs> yeah, but is, yeah, but there's an element with the, like I remember, like for me as a kid, the thing that I always look forward to was the, was the Smith's catalog. Like Smith's, that was the that was the or the Argos catalog. Yeah, no, not the, yeah, the Argos catalog's fucking huge. The Smith's catalog huge ties in it. What were you? What, were, what sort of a deprived childhood <laughs> that you had that you were waiting for the Argos catalog to arrive in the fucking door? It was part of the I want to plonk myself now on the couch for the next. Seven Seven weeks and read through the Argos catalogue. So it's his ties, like. It's Go on then. World of Wonder. I oh, know that was it. It was more of a kind of an irrelevant story, but again, sign of the times. Like. Sign of the times, right? The art, the catalogue is gone. Hopefully, the store doesn't go anyway properly because I, I do enjoy going uh, again. Lost in IKEA for about seven. Oh years. no, you need the experience. IKEA is all about experience. Um, you know, you talk about Little Nally and the impulse buys in the section. That's ah. literally just a warehouse of impulse buys. Well, like, if you're going, like, how many times have you gone up to IKEA with a budget and said, right? Yeah, and that feed myself on the it? way back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think this this kind of week we kind of noticed uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, in terms of social media that uh, muddled waters. They're all trying to you know compete with each other like they always do. But I think we're starting to get to the stage now where they're all starting to blend into one. So we decided we would chat tonight around the, the social platforms and how they're trying to compete each other, but they're realistically making them a, a dog's dinner of it. Really, aren't they? what do you think? Yeah, like, I mean, again, I wouldn't be the operational person here, but more and more, a number of years ago, right, if you were planning out a strategy, you would say, this type of content goes on Twitter, yep. this type of content goes on Instagram, this type of content goes on Facebook. Um, Only last and year, it was really, very, was and Yeah, that. yeah, it wasn't even that long ago. It was very, very clearly defined, I thought. Um, I, I would have used, like, you know, take for the company I was working for last year, which was food. You know, as you said, Instagram, purely... The, the food porn photos you know yeah. it wasn't I didn't even show much people in it it was just purely the food T- Twitter I was using as the networking chatting locally if we were at an event you know because news, it was great information. news up to date purely just a communication in terms of uh, on the spot chatting and, and networking customer support a lot of that going on as yeah. well um, and then Facebook then was kind of more so your generic posts but you know if I was doing a competition I'd done it on even Facebook even the fact that you just said that generic posts 
like that doesn't even that's the problem like it's almost like they're all blended into one now. everything yeah, yeah. is a generic yeah. post like like, but you're in marketing if you use the word generic in my class I go mental because like what do you mean it's generic like what's generic yeah. what, it's just applied to everyone do you know yeah. what I mean so okay, because Facebook's kind of whole model in terms of I think of in terms of demographics like you have your probably your long standing fan you know if you're if you're a long standing business if you're a new business no you probably you might even be lucky if you set up a Facebook page yeah, you know, it, that it's kind of tough stage. to build an, an organic audience it is so you know going back to maybe companies that are long established for maybe 10 years you know they they have a decent following if they've been using social on Facebook so you know you're using that as your kind of generic communication platform you know you're putting a bit of everything up there you're keeping people involved you're doing probably most of your advertising through Facebook you know more so and than Twitter and, well. and well yeah linking it across to Instagram but you won't be doing it on Twitter um, and then if you're as I said if I was running the competition generally I used to I would I would run it on Facebook like share, yeah. Um, it depends on your audience but and then Instagram stories then when that came out you know that's definitely I would have a bit more fun with that that's behind the scenes you know you're sharing the customers um, pictures that they tag in all this but now where does that go does that go on LinkedIn Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Facebook yeah like, we haven't even talked about LinkedIn like the stories now on all four of them do you know what I mean so, yeah. Snapchat didn't even mention Snapchat I didn't, oh, Snapchat we can get rid of that that's purely a personal messaging now at this stage. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's another. Yeah. It's a fancier WhatsApp, but um, basically that's that's kind of it. Like you know, um, as you just said, the the same features are coming out on every platform. So only in the last couple of weeks, we now have stories on Twitter. We have stories on LinkedIn. Obviously, we had them on um, on Instagram, coming from Snapchat the first time round, and we have them on Facebook. So there's just those platforms alone that we have all stories on. You're talking now, Twitter just brought out the new, the whole idea of um, the fleets. It was like disappearing, or sorry, uh, the disappearing tweet basically after 24 hours. But the whole idea of Twitter was... It was only 24 hours anyway. Like wasn't that, it, was, it wouldn't last for very long anyway. Yeah, like, you know, so what's the whole point of instant. You know, so they're, they're trying out all these new features, but they're literally taking... I thought the best one at the very start was, obviously we have Facebook, that knew what it was... LinkedIn knew what it was, Twitter knew what it was, Instagram t- came along um, and took the best features of all the platforms, made them better by 10 and went with it and they became a fantastic platform and now they're all trying to copy Instagram and making a bollocks of it basically. Yeah, it's, again it's it's not the, like look, R&D, read and duplicate, it's, yeah. been in business for, it's been in business for ages but like I think what's kind of so annoying is that when you've got companies with the market capitalization of a Facebook, Instagram, same company and so on and so forth, the lack of innovation, like there's nothing substantially, I know they've tweaked and things like that. Um, and even the retweet thing now I find very awkward. You have to quote tweet or retweet. Yeah, you can't just fun. retweet. Yeah, it doesn't, I don't like it. But so um, I, f- I found this, right? Um, uh, we, we haven't mentioned this guy on the on the, the podcast as of yet but um, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk oh, from yeah. the UK or from hear me from the UK from the US he put out in his book I was just flicking through a couple of books during the week and I actually spotted this and I knew this we were going to be talking about this this week so it's in his Ask Gary V book uh, it was kind of around the big picture it's called and it's basically what will the next big social network have to do to challenge Facebook, Twitter, Instagram this was back in 2016 there are two keys to the success of social network. One, win over the youth market. The network that makes Snapchat feel like it's old for people would be the next superstar. And the, number two was be extraordinarily useful. Instagram was just a place to post pretty pictures until people realized it actually made them feel better. It made them better photographers. The visual intimacy of the pictures made people feel close to other users and eventually the social network developed to support that closeness. In sum, if you're trying to develop the next big platform, create something that the youth of the world didn't know it could live without. What was that recently? Well, TikTok, obviously, not exactly the most cutting-edge question in the world. It's no, the best there, there was no. <laughs> What's the biggest growing social network at some point? Yeah. But I think if you well, think a about... virus it. at the moment going on the place. What's that called again? That's the equivalent of your question there. No, I even God. stumbled on the answer there. You totally got me. But no, look, I think it was the, probably the first real shaker I think we've seen, especially since Snapchat. You know, there was nothing else. There's been a couple we had, like, what was the other one? Social came Vero came up. Vero, yeah. You, know, you had a couple of these kind of around the place, you know. Um, but it's the first one that's really grabbed a hole and actually took over as the, what it possibly, you know, the most downloaded. Oh, it's genius. It's genius. As a creator platform, it's the best out there by a distance. It, it is like Instagram was, like you said in your quote there, it was all about the photographer 
as well as the photography um, and people enjoyed scrolling through it um, because of the quality that went up there and it gives people more like I said there it was a useful tool both for the observer and for the, the creator and um, if you almost say it's almost like your um, your modern art gallery for want of a better for want of a better kind of a phrase and the best social media networks to my mind are always that they replicate something in the real world and they translate that then into a into a digitized um into a digitized context um and even if you go back to even things like selfie culture for example selfie culture people have been taking selfies for for years it's portraits you know mm. but it disseminated that then to the masses so these are behavioral traits that society always have but you're digitizing them um the thing with TikTok, which is so incredible, is it's brought the creativity out in a lot of people. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, some of the stuff there I know that you'd see from, again, the youth of the world in terms of the creative content that they're putting up online is absolutely incredible. It's akin to what the YouTubers were doing when YouTube yeah. launched. It's really, really impressive stuff. And it's addictive. Really, really addictive. Um, your immediate kind of, um, your immediate dopamine hit, you're moving across. And you, what I think is is interesting about it is that you don't really have, you don't follow anyone the algorithm is smart yeah, enough just... to drip feed you enough of a particular of a particular piece yeah. of content, but few people actually follow people on it, which I think is really, really well, what's interesting. Funny is anytime I've gone on, like you might not follow people, but when you go back on, you're going to get that kind of content that you. But that's the difference. With. You're not following a person with nice content that you like. The algorithm is smart enough to understand the content that you like and feed that directly back yeah. to you, which is different because it's more of a what we call kind of a. There's more of a. It's not. It's not a community per se, but you have. Um, it's kind of like um, a genre. Kind of it's basically. a genre. Yeah. yeah, it's not a community because there's no interaction between the people as such in terms of the definition of community. But again, but they are a different. But again, that platform could be room when they try and monetize it because not trying to monetize it. Yet, yeah, right? and even I find there there's a few ads up there now at the moment from a couple of banks. And I'm just like, oh, well, that, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. You know, they're starting to do brand partnerships with. Uh, was a Shopify they're doing yeah. with Sony you know all these is starting that 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 whole um commercial side of things are starting to creep into it like every other platform do you know so we've seen it with the others that ads will come in somewhere it, it will ruin it you know and then people come a little bit accustomed to it and then the next platform will come on you know and it's very very hard even sitting here now thinking about what will the next big platform be what else can possibly be done do you know that yeah, we always say that though i mean you wouldn't have thought of tiktok do you no, know you mean? Like you, it's, it's, not... it's just so weird but but i think what look what we've already kind of said a couple of times there but what's killing it for me is the fact that the other platforms are definitely just copying each other now for the sake of copying each other because they need to freshen up their platform so like even even linkedin now bringing out its stories i think it's pointless do you know i really really do um i think you know it's very clunky it's it, it wasn't really smooth you know it didn't transition very very well when you're used to used to the, the freedom that you have with instagram stories you know but then you have the other side with instagram then copied tiktok and done the reels and a lot of people don't you know they do like it but they don't think it's as creative as as you might get it on TikTok, yeah but i just you know? think the whole thing is just been cannibalized anyway like if it's almost depressing as you said, they've all lost their identities but even in Las Vegas, like they're all becoming like so. Look, social media was always what, a vehicle. What your, the market, what, what's right? kind of your top platforms? Oh, Twitter. Like, but I mean, the problem with Twitter is that like there's no, like what I find about Twitter. And look, these are vehicles of the market, right? They're not for the consumers per se. They're all there. They're all monetized. They're all mm. they're all monetization platforms. But like, what I find with all of these platforms, they're now so commercial, and the people are so commercial. Mm. Everyone is selling themselves, and I know that was always the case to a certain extent. But now I just feel it's at the extreme look at what i did here i've got this po- and i know it's 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 a it is a promotional platform for a way but i think it's just gone to a level which is just there's nothing there's very few things on there that are personal and all the personal things are wrapped up in something which is do you know what i mean there's not much is they're not very social anymore is probably my main my main kind of a point with them and like i meant i made the point with jonathan so, social is almost when you just before you go into that social is almost gone when you talk about being social with someone, as in someone specific, that's almost gone. Instead of being public, that's gone back to being private. So now we've seen the whole. Thank s- God. We've seen the whole Snapchat model twisting. That you know, people are not even really sending pictures anymore. They're just using the the communication. Just to, that's what Snapchat's being used for yeah, mostly. Yeah. It's just people talking through it. You know, and again, it's very hard to monetize that. It's yeah. You know, it was we we used to do it with Messenger. You know, and everyone moved off Messenger then onto um, Facebook Messenger onto. Um, 
onto Snapchat, you know, and some people might use Instagram stories, but or the the direct messages, but that's literally one or two conversations. You're responding to a story, and that's it. Conversation dead. But your long form conversation is you know Snapchat or WhatsApp, or you might be involved in a, some sort of a group or something, you know, on WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, no, on WhatsApp, no, WhatsApp is where most of the conversations are happening. Yeah, vibrant, like, you know, I mean, you know, a vibrant, we have a vibrant, There is, but there's so much like there. There is even social media channels we haven't even talked about, like you know. You have the likes of Pinterest we haven't even mentioned, you know. Yeah. Is it refer? You know, do people think of it as a social media? But it is, you know. And you kind of half mentioned YouTube is another one. YouTube, exactly. You know, and that's I always get people caught out with that one. You know, if I ever do a guest talking to people, like you know, you'll always get everyone's on social media, and then you'll always see one person. Oh, I don't use social media. And but I think what, but I think what, what YouTube though, and again, it, it's what's catch up with a lot of the other ones is that, and again, I would be a big fan, particularly Twitter now, for example. I'd be a big fan of just verification everyone is who they are on it and okay. everyone needs to be verified the like even if there's an interesting news article pops up now it's very very hard to find a debate yeah. because it's just trolling 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 the amount of hate that is generated mm. across all of these platforms but like I mean, Twitter would be the main one that I would yeah. like browsing to, as you said John, John got crippled there last week um, on news talk and they're not for real people it's all anonymity do you know what I mean yeah. and I just think if the gambling companies pure keyboard warriors absolutely <laughs> keyboard exactly but if you take but if you take um, the gambling companies yeah. gambling companies invest a huge amount in data encryption yeah. safety um, ID verification all this kind of stuff right Facebook have and I checked before we came online they have 70 billion dollars in the bank in cash they have the money to solve these problems yep. do you know what I mean they're cash rich and if they wanted to solve the problems they could solve these problems and I'm not even talking like okay I'm talking now but in terms of improving their platforms but the this also is true to again the hate that people get and social media platforms have always incited hate the more people hate something the more clickable something is the more impressions is going to be the more ads that they can sell yeah. and all of these platforms are geared towards that at the moment and I think if you had some sort of a verification tool there where you had to prove your identity and you were verified to be this person, I think then the networks could actually become very social. At the moment, going through that, it's just depressing. It really, really is depressing. And even I saw, it just it was just out of interest more than anything else, um, went on to, um, uh, there was a thing about the, 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 the two um, NHS staff that had an allergic reaction to, um, had an allergic reaction to the COVID vaccine. Mm. And it would be interesting to see a couple of academics or doctors actually discussing why this might be the case and why this is the case for most things. Go on and it's doctor blah, 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 blah with four followers, which is the majority of the time you're not going to check how many followers there. So you don't know how legitimate this person just is. just a nice picture. Exactly. Yeah, whereas, and doctor beside Exactly. It. Whereas could you actually have a thing where people can actually be verified in terms of what they're saying and they can actually have proper debates and proper discussion now how much of a discussion you can have over 240 characters I'm not entirely sure if you think about a doctor is there a thing that you know if you have a section in your bio that you know a verified um, medical professional registered accountant you know whatever it is so they you know if you click onto their profile okay these have authority to speak on their field yeah exactly it's actually an interesting thing to do yeah yeah. Um, but again but it goes back to again this isn't this is partially me talking about making the platforms better but it's more so about just stripping off the absolute garbage that you see on on quite a lot of them and again it's not the problem here is that everyone has the right to be on social media right everyone can post and see what they want do you think that kind of garbage sometimes as you say or the the kind of the hate or the debates or you know the the trump bashing or whatever it is is that the reason why some people are on those platforms but that's but that's the problem you shouldn't have that because if you that, that's the reason that Trump got elected. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. people because people are they're uneducated about the majority the majority of people are uneducated about the majority of things. And by that I mean everyone is undereducated about the majority of things. Because you know stuff in your in your particular field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's this idea of kind of freedom of speech, for example, that Facebook give, oh we don't want to interfere with freedom of speech. You're a media company. If you have um if you have a, a news site or you've a, you've a, um, you're a newspaper, you have to verify the information that is going out to the public because it is a source. It's called news for a reason. It is either it is based in fact or there is some critical dimension to it and that you're discussing what the truth is and there's multiple realities, multiple truths, so on and so forth. But you're presenting facts to a certain extent and you can have a debate about those facts and what they mean and you can have a debate about data and what they mean. But that doesn't give 
someone, well no they have the right to, but someone should not be commenting on something that they simply know nothing about and then when the algorithms kick in and you're being fed a load of hate or a load of people ranting about things that they don't know about, if you see 10 posts of people saying a certain thing, then people would say, okay, that's that's true then because all of these people are saying it if that's the only thing that's coming to you through your algorithm. So that's really, really dangerous because it's incredibly incredibly polarising for society because, it's again, it's it's, inc- it's inciting hate. So I think that there's a, there is a fundamental problem with these platforms in terms of the, the stuff that's being filtered through. And I haven't even gone on to the teenager stuff yet in terms of what it's doing to their, to their minds. So, like, I mean, there is... And the problem is that these platforms can correct themselves. They have the cash to do it. They but have the innovation to do you, it. They just you, don't want to do it. You mentioned Facebook there a few minutes ago, only a couple of hours before we recorded this episode. Um, there was a bit of a lawsuit filed in, in the US. Now, this has been going on for a few years now at this stage. Um, the basically Moving the right direction, no? What? It's going there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's going the right well, direction. Basically, uh, uh, a lawsuit was put in by 48 states yeah. and something like that and the federal attorneys or whoever it is but basically putting into um, demonopolize whatever the word is basically yeah. break up uh, Facebook Instagram WhatsApp into their own separate companies yeah. you know that they're they're basically too big for their boots like, yeah. you know which look it's probably not the worst thing in the world you know but you know no matter what, how much you break them up the same boys are still going to be running all, all the top of them no, the but, no but there's a, so I am robbing I am robbing this this is not my theory but there is like so the, if you look at if you look at um, the market and you look at capitalism, let's pretend that it works for a second. <laughs> the idea is that the market is meant to correct itself, right? Yeah. So at the moment, the market can't correct itself because there's no competitors there. Yeah. So Facebook are biggest boy in the yard and no one can challenge them at all for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or unless, like Amazon set up their own social media, but which is like, what, like, do you know what I mean? Probably Two of the, the biggest, way. do you know what I mean? So if you have a situation where in the morning... Facebook, Instagram are broken apart from each other. If you have a scenario where with both of these platforms there's a huge problem with teen depression, huge problem with these platforms inciting hate um, and um, sparking riots and all this type of stuff, the first board meeting of the new entity, i.e. Instagram without Facebook, is going to be, okay, we're going to lose market share here to Facebook. How do we better our brand so that marketers are going to be more comfortable going with us as opposed to going with someone else. And that's fundamentally important. If you have the market correcting itself, then some of these social issues that are caused by these networks should technically correct themselves if these giants start kind of um, behaving better or doing better. Because at the moment, they don't have to do better because there's no one challenging them. There's no legal challenge. There's no market challenge. There's nothing there. They can do what they want. So if you have that breakup happening, and this isn't just Facebook, Google break up YouTube yeah. break up the ad. Man. A lot of people don't realize, like you know, for the the, the general lay person, they're all owned by the same companies. Like, like which ones are individual now? Snapchat. Snapchat's owned by Snap, yeah. Yeah, and then you have TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which TikTok's own owned other, by yeah, but not. Yeah, pretty much. Not. It's pretty much TikTok. For the much market TikTok, that we know, yeah. yeah. Um, the main one is Am- like Amazon own. Um, it's Amazon Alexa. Um, you've got um, Amazon Prime, yeah. Amazon Studios. Um, so Facebook then have, you have Messenger, you have WhatsApp, you have Instagram, you have Oculus. Am I forgetting any? Um, WhatsApp, Messenger, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, yeah you've said them there. Um, then you've got other ones in, which are probably a bit more, like a bit more obscure. But even Apple, for example, Apple have their own tech product. Yeah. Then they also own iTunes. They also own the App Store. Yeah. So if you're Spotify, a competitor of iTunes, and you're trying to compete with them on the App Store... Yeah. Obviously, iTunes is going to appear above them, so that that's anti-competitive. It's okay. Most of our listeners listen on Spotify. It's okay. That's all right. Fuck <laughs> you, but the um, but that but that's the problem here is that if you have these organizations controlling the supply chain, if you like, their if you own, want to call it that, markets, like, they yeah. can control they can control with the way that those markets go. And there's no and that it also leads to a lack of innovation, mm. which comes to this conversation that we're that we're having today. Now, I personally think that even if they did break them up, there does need to be led firm legislation put in place to Swapping combat a lot of the issues, kind of all that kind of stuff. Um, like cross, like at the moment, we can cross advertise from Facebook and Instagram. Instagram, and it's you all know. based on your data across. So the if they break it up, right? Okay, now I'm spending on two yeah. platforms. So even, so even at the moment, just as an example, right? If you want to understand someone's deepest, darkest secrets and what they're actually interested in, you'd read their WhatsApp conversations, right? Mm. So if, at the moment, WhatsApp is encrypted. Messenger isn't. You can download all of your messenger conversations going back whenever. It's not encrypted. Incredibly dangerous. If 
if there is some mega hack any day, the world is going to have to come to a collective agreement that we do not read the data. We yeah. don't read the files. Because yeah. um, there'd packed. be, oh, <laughs> rock society would tear each other to pieces. But Facebook is currently looking to encrypt that data, basically, across all of yeah. their channels and all of their platforms. Now, the UK government are kind of challenging this in a bit because if you have... Um, paedophiles for example are predators and they're talking to kids you need to be able to get that data yeah. out some way um, so if it's encrypted you can't get exactly. it exactly yeah. but the one bit that they're not encrypting of course is the metadata so even though you don't, you can't download or bulk download exactly what the sentences are and what the conversations are you know the themes and you know the topics which feeds perfectly into the ad model so again there's some things that they're encrypting and there's some things yeah. that they're not and again that's because they own all of the supply chain they own all the channels um, they own the ad model they own the social platform they own the messaging platforms so you know there's no mm. compet- there's no competition there and there's no one can compete with them um, there's also been um, and I think it came out of that um, that suit that you were talking about a minute ago any social media platform that tries to compete with Facebook Facebook buy them and they kill them yeah. that's half of their strategy because if you've got a group of entrepreneurs like Instagram back in the day they were offered a billion um, yeah. a billion dollars you're going to take it yeah. doesn't matter what the company's worth you're going to take turned it turned them down the first um, time and came back on the second time yeah, the exactly. first acquisition I think for a billion or something they were, like that yeah it was something, something like, like that, that yeah. yeah. and um, and look at the, the again, and, and, and uh, they're not part of it now they're, they're not part of it no, the founders have left there's actually yeah. a great book out there by uh, Sarah Fryer's called No Filter and it talks about the creation of Instagram okay. and that when it, when the founders went into Facebook they were told that they'll be important in this company yeah. and they were basically Side cast aside yeah. but not but not just them Instagram yeah Facebook still invests more in Facebook than they do in Instagram despite the fact that Instagram is growing faster Facebook is Zuck is the Zuck's baby like and he wants to keep that alive like if you like you have um, at the moment if you open up your Instagram it's Instagram by, by Facebook. Facebook they do it on all which for them, yeah. a, it's which on WhatsApp for, which for a youth like I mean the youth is they have no interest in Facebook yeah. so putting the it's Facebook quick, brand on that is bad like, watch waiting for yeah. it but I think look the to, to bring it kind of full circle I think look as we kind of mentioned um, they're all starting to be kind of become a carbon copy of each other do you know so yeah. I think the, the platforms do have to kind of become innovative if they're, or be be slick I think if they're bringing out a new feature to make sure that it's not like the others but it's tested to the last it's going to work it's not going to cause any negativity but I think if you are a business owner or a marketer using the platforms you know, we definitely would have said before, you know, really focus on where your audience is. And I think that's still the case. But I think you really have to look at uh, where you can best tell your story. I think that looks the best, comes across the best and to your audience. I think it's not just to the audience, though. I think audiences want to consume certain content on certain platforms. I would agree. And but I think you are wasting your time on platforms if your audience is not there. So oh, you have, yeah. to, figure, well, you yeah, have to figure that out first. So yeah. telling your story to the right audience. But in reality... Not just because it's a good platform to tell your story in terms of it's creative and you have a young person that's very very good at social media and they're dying to use TikTok if your platform if your audience is not there forget about it stop wasting your yeah, time yeah but I'd also be of the opinion that no matter who your audience is if you're going on age demographics entirely and I don't think that's the best way to segment the market by any stretch of the imagination but if you're doing a by age platform or by age which is what you've done there your TikTok audience might be your audience now, but they will be your audience in five years' time. So therefore, should you start building brand equity with them now by using TikTok? And I think the problem that I have is that, like, people... Well, see, that's, the, that's like, it's it makes sense what you said and what I said, but the problem is we never had this problem before as marketers. Like, you know, you were, just, you were just, you know, radio, print, television, whatever it is, you know, your audience is going to be there no matter what. But now you have to think about, right, five years' time. Is that marketer going to be there with your business? But it's a resource. But it's know. a resource issue as well, right? Because you see, traditionally we would have said if you had a, if you had a campaign, let's just say, you would chop up that campaign in a variety of different ways and then filter the different types of creative as they pertain to that campaign through your variety of different channels, depending on what the audience was, depending on how they consumed that particular piece of content. Now, because all the platforms are kind of becoming the same, there's businesses just getting the content and it's pretty much the same content but maybe little tweaks across all of the platforms Mm. and it's very very frustrating for me as a consumer if I'm following certain brands that I like let's just say Nike for example I'm not putting Nike in this category necessarily but just to say Nike and I go on to LinkedIn I look at Nike's post brand then I go on to Instagram 
and I get onto Nike's in my story feed. It's the exact same stuff again. Then I go over to TikTok. Mm. I'm really, really sick of that brand because they're interfering with my consumer, with my, with my experience of actually consuming the social media platform. So th- there is an issue here of just cross-posting across across different platforms and there's almost a, a brand overload to a certain extent of the same messaging over and over again. Mm. If that was print media, then it would be fine. But again, if you've got your core following, it's different. It, it's difficult to reach that audience. So... No, I'm very, I'm very disenfranchised with, as, with as, social media. But as a marketing tool, the ad platforms are fucking incredible in terms of selling. But in terms of something to reach your consumers, I find them very, very frustrating. As a consumer, I find it very, very frustrating. And then when you look at the damage that they do in terms of them being anti-competitive, the cause of teen depression, um, incitement of hate, violence, all that kind of stuff, they're bad for society at the moment. And all of those things combined get very disenfranchised with them. I think as a kind of and then the by the way we're going to go after this having me criticise him and go okay we'll tweet out the social anti podcast you have to listen to us and this is the problem it's, right? our, it's again, our job like we have to use them that's the platforms that are there to get to the audience like, you know? and, and that and that is that is the problem because they're the only ones out there because there's so, so few of them yeah, you're no attention choosing on creation videos on TikTok like <laughs> there, there you go like yeah that's it like so the but you're doing the same shit across all the different yeah. channels like, do you know what I mean like, that's why I loved it like even as I said last year I had my way of talking on the different platforms and it was it was you know they were starting to become modelled but you had a kind of definitive line like even take probably the most uh, definitive line you had was, was when you were using LinkedIn I have to be professional now I can't use a smiley face I can't do you know this yeah, kind yeah. of thing now you can use hashtags now you can do live videos now you can do stories you know it all works on it the exact same as the other platforms LinkedIn Microsoft me. I have to say LinkedIn annoys me Microsoft nearly ruined LinkedIn I don't think so I think it is great no, I, I don't like the stories recently no, I, I don't it. like their live platform I think the best and actually there's another bit of news that happened this week I did have something I did, you didn't even let me mention it Instagram live is fucking Instagram this week back to the news back to the news Instagram this week um, brought out that you can invite now two guests onto a live video with you so there's three guests on a live video so that's I think they, they've kind of copped that you know live is definitely what they're winning on compared to the other ones you know Facebook oh, yeah. started it yeah. but Instagram took it over um, LinkedIn trying it I don't really like it I think it's too clunky as well I think everything that they're kind of releasing with LinkedIn is a bit too clunky like you know it's but I just, it's more like content for me for me they can't like I don't know because right right people don't like their work typically speaking right they're they don't want to promote yeah. their work while you go on to LinkedIn it's either people waxing lyrical about how brilliant they are mm-hmm. and I do the same thing I'm not saying I'm fucking perfect here you're very good but at I'm not um <laughs> Or you've got people putting up, here's my ebook. Yeah. My company has this great ebook. Go and click on it because it's brilliant. Yeah. And drive the, you off the platform. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then you've got um, and then you've got people going the classic. I hired this employee and they were in the depths of fucking depression and I hired them and I'm fucking great. The, um, yeah. the, the scene on LinkedIn Twitter account is one of the best Twitter accounts out there. It's absolute <laughs> genius. But anyway, but the um. But the, but the point is that it's all it's all you promoting your fucking business. Like whereas what I'd love is almost like experts in the area almost need to become their own journalists to a certain extent. Um mm. and do kind of different things there. Um and that was actually an interesting thing that came out during the week is um Australia are about to pass a law whereby Facebook will have to pay media organizations if the media organization's news content ends up on their social media platforms. Which I think is very, very interesting. Because mm. if Facebook are saying that they're not a media platform then they're a distribution platform. And if you're distributing someone else's content, you have to pay for it. <laughs> so that's the logic they apply. Radio stations yeah. have to play the record labels. It's the same it's the same logic. But because again Facebook are so big, they haven't been doing it up until now and the Aussies are basically saying, No, you're paying our, our news organisation. They're suffering. You're taking all of their ad revenue, therefore you're giving some of that back. Makes sense, makes sense. Well, I think, look, we kind of touched on a couple of our topics that is going to come down the line uh, in future weeks where it's you know, you're talking about the, the kind of impact on the youth generation of social media you know we kind of have someone lined up maybe to come on and talk to to us uh, around that and we definitely have someone coming around the area of actually social media platforms that would be an expert in social so um, you know we're always up for suggestions for people to come on and chat to us uh, we will have a few more guests coming down the week yeah and I think look look ultimately we'll talk about it we didn't go into a huge amount of detail on any of the kind of things that we talked about there in terms of like the, the monopolies and stuff like that but I think it'll be really really interesting over the next year Particularly with a new president as well in in the US, what actually happens? Because the market can do its correction if it needs to. 
I think society, the marketplace, um, the legislation, all that needs to come together and these tech platforms need to be corrected in some way mm-hmm. because we've seen the damage they've done with Trump, Brexit, um, teen depression, all the rest of it. And I realise I'm harping on about it, but this is a serious fucking issue that we're dealing with at the moment. And it's all well and good us using it to sell luxury brands and to sell with the companies that we're doing which we do and we use all this data so we are completely hypocritical giving out about it but at the same time I think there's enough evidence there now to show the danger of these social media platforms and tech in general and there needs to be a catch up of legislation and Jonathan touched on that last week as well in terms of well the legislation will never catch up but it needs to start somewhere and I think hopefully that happens in the next 12 months well I think that's probably a good place to say um Follow us on social media. Uh, keep up to date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll be back again uh, next week. Are we, are we last week next week for Christmas? No, I think we've another oh, two weeks. Oh, thank God. No, last week's the last are week. We oh, last week we're taking a break. Fuck that for a game of soldiers. <laughs> no, we're gone. We're gone. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Take care. Slán lad.